I am unashamed. What about you? All right, we're back. We left off at the end of Matthew 12 where it's, it's, it's a crazy scenario that Jesus gets into because they tap him on the shoulder while he's talking to a crowd and they're like, hey, your brother and your brothers and your mother, they're wanting to speak to you. And he looks around and he said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to the disciples, here are my mother and my brothers and whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And I bring that up to say, you know, I shared last podcast about the Miyamu event. It was a great success because we have all these families here and we're connecting through the pain and suffering of our kids and trying to help them have a productive life. And we're forming this community with each other where we're relying on, on each other through this. But the last part of what I gave to them as an encouragement is that there is a way to be part of a forever family in Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And so it's the bigger picture. It's the picture that you look at when Jesus said, hey, I'll, I'll heal you, but let me forgive your sins first. And he was planting that, that seed of us being eternal and being part of a family. And, you know, that's why when he, he healed the woman that we talked about, he, he, he said, daughter, your, you know, your faith has healed you. I mean, he, he came here to unify the sons and daughters you know, that his father created, which is us. So I shared that just to say, you know, we had a few moments that I thought were really incredible that I wanted to share with y'all and see what, see what y'all thought. But we had a, we had a girl named Meredith who, uh, she came over and the first thing that happened is she presented us with a check for over $14,000. And what she does for her business, she has this business called Makeup Junkies, which is not my department because I don't wear makeup on purpose. But she actually became famous through that show Shark Tank. Have you ever seen that show? Uh, oh, yeah. It's it's entrepreneurs that come up and they have like these five or six sharks, what they call shark money men or women. I think a couple of them are women, and so they give a presentation of an idea and they try to get these these money sharks to invest in their company. Well, mm -hmm. and, and she, she did that and they did. And of course her business is pshoom, taken off. But I thought, isn't this a small world though, where she gets wind of what we're doing. And not only did she donate that amount of money from, you know, from whatever these, the, the makeup junkie is, I'm not even sure what that is, but she brought a whole, group of volunteers who worked the entire weekend, you know, and I just thought in life, you know, the Lord blesses you, you have ideas, there's entrepreneurs, but here's a woman five states over who mm. the Lord has blessed her with a successful business here. And she got up, I mean, right off the bat, we got together, the kids and the families got off the bus. We formed two lines. We were cheering for them, you know, and I mean, they were kind of bewildered, like, cause we have all these volunteers and uh, she just, she had tears streaming down her face. And she handed us with, you know, with, with one of these big giant checks, you know. So uh, I thought, man, what what a powerful moment to to look at the greater picture of, of what's going on here. I mean, it was a fantastic way to start. So The great physician and his people. Yeah. The great physician, Jesus. Yeah, he's the best. And it, yeah, and he does, and he does build a family, Jace. That's uh, I was thinking when you were talking about use that term forever family. Um, when we did college ministry, Jill and I for many many years, um, we so we started when our kids were really young and like toddlers, and they're like running around the house and super you know disruptive and. You know, you're, you're in college ministry, you want to kind of set that vibe, you know, you want to have the, the good worship nights and all that. And I always thought, you know, my kids are, you know, they're kind of ruining the vibe here because they're, they're running through the house, they're yelling, they're crying, Jill's, you know, taking them out back and forth. And 
um, after f- about five or six years of college ministry, we had that that first group of people that were coming through that were now graduating, and and we had this. Uh, I guess it's four years because college takes about four years. We had this night where um, we honored the students, and and one and uh, all of them testified to this. But it started with this one guy named Brandon, um, and Brandon starts crying as he's sharing his experience in the college ministry. And Brandon came up in a home where he didn't really have a strong family unit. And he, and as he's say, as he's telling us how thankful he was for the ministry, you know, the one thing that he was most thankful for was he, watching us raise our kids. And he said, you know, I never had that. I never had like a, a, a loving father. I never had that in my life. And, and just being with you guys. And, and it was so cool because for him and so many other students like that didn't have that strong family unit, they found their family in the kingdom. And, and, and that's who they're, who, like what Jesus, when he looks out here and he says, who are my brothers and sisters? He stretched out his hand towards his disciples. He said, here's my mother and here's my brothers. And it just hit, that hit home with me that night to think about God's kingdom. When you get into a body of believers, like that's really what God wants of, of us post, you know, salvation. Yeah. I mean, it's bonus for us to be family and part of a forever family. Yep. But, you know, because a lot of times, a lot of non-believers, I notice they take shots at Jesus for saying something like this. They're like, I mean, yeah. why was, why is he dissing his family? You know, and when he said that in Matthew 10 earlier about when he was sending them out, and he's like, don't suppose, this is 1034, that I came to bring peace. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. And you're like, well, you know he came to bring peace through the Holy Spirit, so what's his point? But he's like, well... A man will be against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and he goes through that. Then he says, anyone who loves his father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. So how would y'all explain that? Because it seems harsh or counterproductive with most spiritual principles about leading your family to heaven or being a good husband, father, mother, daughter, how would y'all respond to those two passages? I would I would wait until we hit Romans chapter 13, and there's an explanation of it. We're here to plant seed, the seed of the kingdom of God. You mean Matthew 13? Matthew, what did I say? Romans 13. Romans 13. Yeah. Matthew 13, and you you read about what the kingdom is like, he just said it's like a family coming together. So the seeds planted, some of it, they don't understand it. Well, they're not members of the kingdom. They're not Jesus's, they're not his mother or brother, or, or they're, they're, not, they're not part of the kingdom. But then the second kind, they say, you know, this is it, this Jesus thing, I've got to follow him, that's it. And they make a move to come in, but due to... When, when persecution comes and when trouble comes, they quickly fall away. That's two out of two so far. Then the third group, they hear it, but when they're coming up, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of wealth, and those members are, are, are not there. So only one, one group out of the four where the seed went down, only one group, uh, they, they produce a crop some a hundred, some thirty times what was sown. His point is, when you look at the whole world with all the billions of individuals right now, when he said this, there were not billions on the earth. There are now are. Yeah. There is a unbelievably large group. For whatever reason, they're not members of the kingdom of God. And it's unfortunate, but we don't know who they are, so we just plant the seed, hoping God will save as many as possible. And the ones who say yes, and by persevering produce a crop, they plant seed into others. You say that's the smallest group of them all, the ones who say, I'm in, and they prove it by their behavior. And it's like a family that's been brought together worldwide you say that was quite the feat that he pulled off when he brought 
his mother and his brothers and his sisters together under one head, he being the head. I mean, it's remarkable. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, I think that is a tough passage because, um, you know, you, you, are we talking about actually hating our family? And it does seem a little bit uh, counterintuitive to, to, to the message of the gospel. I think the point is the same point that he's been making the entire time, these first 13 chapters, which is that Christ has to be supreme. Christ has to come first. And that even does mean over your family. That's, that's, that is very difficult to hear for some people, but all of these things are all, everything is a, the temple, the, the Jonah, all the signs, the miracles, family itself. There's nothing that we can place over Christ um, if we're going to come to him. He has to, he has to be first and he has to be supreme in our life. And that's the only way we're going to experience life. So I, I think that's what he's getting at here when he talks about preparing people that, Hey, you may leave your, your family may reject you because of this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I, I agree. I mean, any relationship that you put above your relationship with God, that's not going to be a positive thing in the big picture or with eternity in mind. If he, he clears it all up when they say your, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He said, who is my mother and, and who are my brothers and sisters? Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and brothers, his disciples. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. But he goes from there into a scenario that same day when he said this. He went out, on the, uh, out of the house and he sat by the lake and a large crowd gathered up and he gave them about a farmer planting seed, and out of all the end of, out of all the planting that was done, only one of the groups, other seed fell on good soil. He, he it the, it fell on three different places. It fell on the path, and the birds ate it up. They don't they, they didn't get it. He said, "I'm speaking to them in parables, so they'll get the point." Some fell on rocky places, but it did not have much much soil. It came up, sprang up quickly because it was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they had no root. Other seed fell among, grew up and choked the plants. He's telling you how many people are not his mother and brother and his sisters. Still others fell on good soil and looking at it from a family aspect, they produced a crop, this particular one out of the four, by the way, which is small, they came to him. They said, why do you speak in parables like that? The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. He said, that's why I speak in parables. Then he quoted Isaiah, and Isaiah said, you'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. This is coming up, he said, and he was talking about Jesus and his kingdom. For this people's heart has been become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. I'm 75 years old, Jace, and I've planted the seed, and I mean it's so close to the parable of the sower that it's scary. When anyone hears the message of the kingdom, he explains it. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. Uh, and they don't understand it when they hear it. I've seen a mighty throng. The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. That's the seed sown along the path. He's explaining what the kingdom is like and the family that it produces. What was sown on rocky places, bad place, is the man who says he hears the word at once receives it with joy. He said, that's it, eternal life. Jesus is the way. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes along because of the word, he quickly falls away. What was sown among the thorns, still trying to get plants to come up. He hears the word, but the worries of this life, there are many. The deceitfulness of wealth, there are many. Choke it. 
make it unfruitful. But, now this is one out of four. What was sown on good soil is a man who hears the word, understands it, and he produces a crop, some yielding a hundred, some thirty, some sixty, some thirty, what was sown. So the bottom line is, you say, most people that where the seed is planted, according to Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. This is what? just prior to what he says what this is all about. Hold on, let's take a quick break. Lots of guys our age, Phil, you, Phil, you call us the young bucks, but Jace always clarifies that we're in our 50s. Right, Jace? Yeah, we're younger bucks. I'm in my 70s, old buck. Y'all in y'all's 50s, younger buck. I'm actually in my early 40s, but even at my age, I've noticed a little receding hairline. And if you're one of those guys out there who want to do something about your receding hairline or your bald spot, the first thing you need to do is look in the mirror and realize you got a problem. The time is now. I do a lot of investing, and one of the worst things you can experience is a recession, whether it be economy or hair. Stop the hair recession today. <laughs> and go to Keeps.com. You know, one of the good things about Keeps is you can message your Keeps doctor 24-7. That's 24 hours a day, seven days a week if you get in a bind. So that's calm. These guys can help you out. That's K-E-E-P-S.com slash door, D-O-O-R, for 50% off your first order of hair loss treatments. That's Keeps.com slash door. Keeps.com slash We're still about two chapters out. He's showing how it all was going to work and what kind oh. of people he's looking for. He's laying a groundwork. Yeah. And he finally, two or three chapters later, he brings it to the core. From that time on, when you get to Matthew 16, Jesus began to explain to his disciples. He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, teachers of the law, the most religious people on the earth. Well, he was he was bringing up signs of it. Like when he, he said, said, I'll be he, killed, when, and in three days I'll rise from the dead. Now the groundwork is there, and they're all looking at him like, what in the world are you but, talking about? But he referenced it in chapter 12 when he said that, when they said, we want a miraculous sign, and he said, well, I'll give you the sign of Jonah. Yep. which they had no idea that he was talking about dying, being buried, and raised. But that's that's right. what he was talking about. That's what he was talking about. But I think it's you made a good point on noticing that the first verse of chapter 13 says that same day, as he had just said about the family. When you think about they're the, like, the, like, what in the world is he talking about? Well, that, I mean, it's like, I mean, I've been to Israel, and they one of the more positive things that I picked up on is the family dynamic. In, in just the day-to-day -day activities and the worship. Just put the, the kingdom of God and its members and then put the people who have no knowledge of God, didn't think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God in Romans one twenty eight, and look at the brutality of what they'll do. They'll do what ought not to be done. Yeah. They become depraved. Well, that's exactly, Jace, the pretty well <clears throat> most of the world. Well, yeah, you remember that, where was the verse that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? Yeah. I, I do think, and in, in, in the epistles, there's a lot of talking about our roles in our, in our family and our relationships. But when you think about it, there's also a lot of people out there that whatever a family member has done to them, they've sacrificed their character whether they were in the right or wrong for because of that relationship and their whole life stopped and they never could get over it, whether it's bitterness or grudge or, you know, someone where adultery happened and, you know, somebody b makes a mistake and they sin, but then the other family member elevates that what happened to them to a point to where they don't pursue a godly relationship or, or righteousness in their life. So I do think he's making a point that no matter what relationships you have on the earth, because it, it's harder to bring your family members, it seems to me, to the Lord than anybody else. And his point is, 
the world in Jesus's eyes, when he's talking right here, just prior to his death, burial, and resurrection for the world, the world in the eyes of Jesus Christ at this time, he's just arrived. He's showing them what a new kind of family is, the family of God. So he's looking at the world, Jason. You know what he's saying? The world is one big dysfunctional family. Because yeah. we hear people say, well, uh, the disintegration of the family unit is really what's caused all these problems. And mm -hmm. the children are running in every direction on drugs and, and rehabs and drunkenness and immorality mm -hmm. and sexually transmitted disease. You say, it's a dysfunctional family. There's going to be one that I'm setting up and it's at hand mm -hmm. that will be a functional family. Smaller, yes, but at least it will be functional and they're the ones who is my mother and my brother and my sister. Yeah. He's clarifying it as he goes, but it's a hard sell, Jace. Well, I just think ultimately you got to have in your mind as you function in a family of trying to get it to be part of the forever family, which is the ultimate goal. How many would tell you, you're trying to tell me people are going to come together, certain groups, and actually love each other? and look after one another. Well, Jace, you, you, you've been at this since you were a boy. You say, yeah. uh, it will work. Yeah. Th this will work. It'll work. It will work. It will work. But how many have said no to the people you've talked to? How many? Well, I'm glad he put this in here about the parable of the soul because uh, it explains a lot. It why helped me Some a people lot. I've shared with, and it's like the light is on, but nobody's home. Well, it, it's that first heart. It Whatever decision or, or things that have happened, they've hardened their heart to a point of where they literally are not hearing the words coming out of your mouth. They've got or, words they call us the Jesus freaks. I mean, we're called freaks and just dumb. And I like you know. being called a Jesus freak. But. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard a sell. It was a hard sell back then when Jesus was on the earth. Look what they did to him, the Savior of the world. And to this day, uh, uh, Zach, it's still a hard sell, my man, any way you want to slice it. Uh, I suppose it's difficult. I, I, it's interesting how Jesus tells this story, though, and, and that he does speak in parables. I think that kind of gives also a clue into the to the, how he's building his kingdom when he when he tells them why you know so well, why do you speak in parables like why why are you why are you saying these things in parables and you answer them uh, to you it has been given you read this earlier the secrets of the kingdom of heaven but to them it has not been given who who is them it's these people for to to the one who has who has more be given, and and he will have an abundance but the but uh, from the one who is not even what he has will be taken away. This is why, this is why I speak in parable, parables, Jesus says, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, and that's when he quotes that the prophecy about Isaiah, which Isaiah pretty much says that you can you're, they're, they're, it's the, they're like what Jace, you said they're here, but like nobody's home. You know, you're gonna hear it, but you can't understand it. And he says, here's why. Because the people's hearts, this is verse 15, for the people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. In other words, because I've heard people use this, this whole passage here to say God's like arbitrarily shutting these people out, and I don't believe that's what's happening here. I think what's happening is it's the same thing about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit that we talked about in the last episode. Yep. It's a it's a willful rejection of truth. He's, he's, it's sticking your fingers in your ears. It's shutting your eyes. Say, I'm not going to see. And I do think that God, in those cases, I think He does start to hide Himself because He doesn't want. I, I don't. I don't believe God wants us to submit to Him simply because He's powerful. I don't think that's enough. I think God wants us to come to Him because we love Him. And 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 we and we see his beauty, and so I think he does hide this things this this message of uh, of of salvation from certain people who are truth rejectors, and well, I think I, that's a, a well, big chunk of what he's getting at here. I know? agree. I think two things out of that is Jesus said, "I am the truth." I mean that he chose to communicate through a person, 
and become a human. And so my always my invitation is to get people to read one of the Gospels or all of them over and over and over again and change their view because a lot of people minimize Jesus as just the same way they did here. They didn't take him seriously or they laughed or they wanted to yep. kill him. or Well, people do the same thing today. I mean, there's a lot of people that you can share the message of Jesus and they don't care if he was on a cross, hung, skin shot uh, any uh, any way you could think of someone die it doesn't matter because they're not accepting who he is that's why he has has so many claims hold on let's take a quick break uh let's take a quick break before you do that jace well here's what i've noticed i've noticed that we do a lot of commercials about beds and sheets and and homes it, these are all places where you spend a lot of time but you got to think about this. You spend the most time in a pair of underwear. Mm, that's true. So when it comes to that, you don't need to be cutting corners. Go with the best that yep. you can find. Yeah. And, and and the best place to get those underwear, Jace, is Tommy John. These, uh, these underwear are breathable. They're lightweight. They've actually sold, you'll never guess this, Jace, they've sold 16 million pairs of underwear. Well, I'm not surprised because I believe most people in our society wear underwear. Well, you know what? I'm in Tommy John's this very moment, so I'm a believer. It's one of my favorite sponsors we get. We get free stuff. And and another good thing about Tommy John is that it's backed by what's called the Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free guarantee. Now, that's quite the guarantee. You can get 20% off. Your first order right now at TommyJohns.com slash Phil. That's TommyJohn.com slash Phil for 20% off. TommyJohn.com slash Phil. The other point I was going to make is I, I do think it's interesting that right after he explained the use of parables and, and this parable in that there's four different heart functional hearts that you run in, into, whether yep. it's in your family or in the world. And it's uh, exactly what the way it is. Well, you see day. it once you read that, then you also see it, which I think it's interesting that the third heart, he doesn't really say is, is dead or falls away. It just says, you know, they're sitting there and the worries of this life and the deceitful of, deceitfulness of wealth choke, choke it. it so it's like it's kind of almost like they're kind of religious but it they're just worried about the wrong things and just going through the motions of they life. have a form of godliness but they deny yeah. its power but what i was going to say is is when you get all the way to 31 and he tells this next parable about the mustard seed and he says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which is a tiny we always I don't I, I don't hear people use that as a relationship parallel because you think about it. You may be the only member of your family at the current time who is a follower of Jesus. Yep. And in essence, you're just a mustard seed. I mean, you're a small, but he's saying the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took it and planted it in the field, though it is the smallest of all your seeds. Yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch, which either the same birds of the air that ate the seed that fell along the path as he was going out to plant. Well, now they're perching on this mustard seed. So I think that's why God always, through Jesus and through his message and through the power of it, he goes to the small group all the way down to all these individual moments in the Gospels. I mean, how many individual moments? Is he with a girl with a with this one woman at the well or with this one guy or two guys who were demon possessed all these individual moments because that actually reflects solving their problems solving their problems who, solving who we problems. are in our day-to-day lives and you start with your family you can have these individual moments on who knows what day you can just wake up one day and have a thought and say you know what you know, I'm in a war, a spiritual war, you know, with my kids. We need to come to Jesus meeting or however you want to call it. But you can have these these moments 
And it may be through compassion or whatever the situation is where they come to a knowledge, the seeds planted that God is real, Jesus loves them, and they fall in love with him in this moment. That seed is planted, and you look up 10 years down the road, and the repercussions of that has gone global. <laughs> yep. Well, uh, that's, that's why the, yeah. when, he, when he finally gets around to the apex of the, of the why he's there, first he gave them the kingdom, then he talks about how they would behave inside the kingdom. He would perform in miracles. I have all the power. And he said, by the way, we're about two chapters or three out. He makes this startling statement. I must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. The first reaction that he got was from one of his own disciples. It said, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord. The, look, there's a the savior of the world. And Peter, if you say they all got it together, this shall never happen to you. Jesus said, out of my sight, Satan. Take that for, for our listeners. We're about two chapters away from the most uh, startling uh, uh, words that have ever been spoken. Jesus Christ says, you, you want to know why I'm here? I'm fixing to die. But in three days, I'll be raised from the dead. <clears throat> That's the heart of his, the reason he came down. It's the way to be saved. Eternal life is tied to it. And if everybody right now goes from Matthew 13, to show you what the kingdom's like, when you get to 16, he says, who they say I am, Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. So he establishes that he will be the king of the kingdom. The keys are given to Peter. He says, you'll make the final announcement. That's Acts chapter 2. But everybody needs to fast forward. Once you get to, to uh, chapter 16 in Matthew and Jesus' startling statement, I'm going to die, be buried, and raised from the dead. Matthew goes on to record, Jace. So did Mark. So did Luke. So did John. He said it there, too. He did die. He was buried. He was resurrected. The secrets of the kingdom, it's been unveiled. This is how it's going to be, and I'm going to be the king based on my death and three days later my resurrection. Well, if you go to one of the epistles, I would recommend go from, go from Matthew 16 that we're coming up in the next two or three podcasts and turn from there all the way to Philippians, one of the little little books. He's in Philippi. Watch what Jesus said. I'm gonna die, be buried, and raised. I always pray with joy. Thank uh, with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day, and now being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, the seed was planted. They said, "I'm in." It'll go to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. So we're all to be partners in the gospel. Three verses later, I'm in chains defending and confirming the gospel. Jesus died, was buried, and raised from the dead. That's twice. Down at the bottom, Philippians 1, 12. This is really, this is what happened to me is really uh, served to advance the gospel. You say, the man is in prison. He's the kind that Jesus said are his mother's, his brothers, and his sister. You get to you get to verse 16 in Philippians 1. I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. Jesus died, was buried, and raised from the dead. Verse 14, the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or truth, Christ is preached. Down at the bottom, Philippians 1, 27, whatever happens, Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. That proves you're a member of the kingdom of God and the family of God. Just below that, I'll know no matter what happens that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. That's six times he said it's all about the good news, what Jesus has done, what he's now doing. And you finish the rest of Philippians, you say, that was the base of the entire thing. By the way, but, it was the same thing of most importance in the book of Acts, Romans, 
and Galatians and all the way uh, through the New was, Testament. Was, let's take a let's take a quick break. I think one of the most frustrating things as we get older is the lack of hearing each other. Yep. I mean, I'll say, here they come on the right, speaking of ducks, and nobody looks to the right because nobody heard that. That's why you've got to check out MD Hearing Aid. MD Hearing Aid is, a, is an FDA-registered rechargeable mm-hmm. hearing aid that costs a fraction of what your typical hearing aid costs. I mean, these things can get really pricey. My uh, wife's grandmother dropped the hearing aid, and the dog ate the hearing aid, and it was like a $2,500 pair of hearing aids. Uh, but not with our partner here at MD Hearing Aid. The Volt Plus model is just $299.99 when you buy a pair. Uh, it was founded by an ENT surgeon who saw how many of his patients needed hearing aids but couldn't afford them. So these are very affordable hearing aids. In fact, Tony has one. Uh, we'll have to check in with him and, and us and uh, get the feedback. They're nearly invisible. They're rechargeable. They're water resistant, and they're shipped directly to you. What's the secret? How do they make their hearing aid so, so affordable? Uh, since 95% of the people who need a hearing aid are only requiring a few settings, MD hearing aids sim- uh, simplify the need for certain components not needed by mo- most people. Plus, they cut out the, the uh, price hiking middleman. So here's what you need to do. Um, you go to mdhearingaid.com. You use our promo code, which is unashamed, to get their buy one, get one for $2.99 each. Offer plus they're offering an extra charging case, which is about a hundred dollar value just for our listeners of Unashamed. So head to mdhearingaid.com, use our promo code Unashamed, or you can even call them at 1 833 581 1546. That's 1 833 581 It's the hub of the New Testament because that was... It's the uh, unveiling of what all this is about. But I think his point was in Matthew 13 for sharing these parables was one, yes, to get people to search. Yep. And so, you know, somebody said parables are earthly stories with heavenly meanings. Maybe so. But I think it's real interesting when he tells us about the parable of the weeds in 24... He said, I, he told him another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. While, but while everyone was sleeping, the enemy came and sowed seeds among the wheat Yep, and went away, which I, I just thought that'd be like, you know, you're, you got, you got your deer plot there. They're always and, and there. You plant it. And the guy across from you, he's mad because you got all the big deer. So while you're sleeping, mm-hmm. he went, he, plant some undesirables or whatever for deer or use some roundup. Yep. And so then in verse 26, when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, when the weeds also appeared, the owner service came to him and said, well, why didn't you sow good seed in your field? I mean, you're a terrible farmer. Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this. He replied, the servants asked him, do you want us to go pull them up? And Jesus said, no, because while pulling pulling up the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both go together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and untie them in bundles to be burned and then gather the wheat and bring into my barn. Well, later on in verse 36, the crowd went to the house. His disciples said, can you explain that parable of the weeds? Which he does. He said, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man, which would be himself. Yeah. Yep. The field is the world, yep. and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom of God. Yep. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, yep. and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in, in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age, and the son of man will send out his angels. They will weed out of his kingdom, everything that causes sin and all who do evil, they'll be thrown in, in the fiery furnace. But the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. But what I was going to say is, when you hear that story, which it's it's a crazy parable from 
a perspective of if you didn't believe Jesus is the Son of God. But then when he explains it, you're like, I don't need to be worried about trying to pull out the weeds necessarily. My mission That's right. is not to go around and say, wheat, weed, wheat, weed. Yep. My mission is to share God's grace and who Jesus is and the power of the Holy Spirit and do do the best in these moments, the relationships from friends to family, promoting this idea of forever family. And then in the end, you, this is going to happen. I mean, that that's the bottom line. That's why, Jace, I, I, I have noted that used to when I was younger, I would feel a certain amount of righteous indignation for people who said, get that Bible out of my face. I don't want to hear any of that crap. Yeah. Well, I used to be kind of a little mad about it. I have now learned to use three words. Just think think about it. Yeah. Think about it. Well, it's like even your Those kind, I've had them come back and said, you know what? Yeah. I did think about it. And the more I thought about it, I think I'm on the wrong side of this. I said, you have come to it. Mm. And then we proceed from there. Most of those end up being members of the kingdom. But at first, they were like the, the first man in the parable of the sower. They said, hey, what are you talking about? Well, they have to go pursue it for themselves. Yep. And that, that's why he uses or parables He doesn't want us to lash out at them no. for not embracing it. Just tell them to think about it. But I remember you sharing one time that even your own sister, when she tried to share with you at first, you, you didn't, you weren't receptive. And, not and at you all. you didn't treat her well. And, and that's why I'm saying that she could have said, well, he's just a weed. And and just said, you know, to hell with him, literally. That's I mean, right. and, and moved on, but she kept pursuing it, and the circumstances changed. And I, I'm saying that to, in light of where we were earlier about about hating or loving less members of your family yeah. compared to the forever family. You can't get so caught up in the tension of someone not following Jesus to where you give up on them or give up on yourself or the whole idea of God because of all the, all the real pain and suffering that we have to go through in our family relationships. Yeah, you know? My point is, but my point is Zach, when you get to Matthew 16 and two or three chapters, all this groundwork is being laid. But if you notice carefully, Jace at no time, I don't think in the book of Matthew until Jesus in Matthew 16, that's the first time that anybody, including Jesus, starts talking about the resurrection of the dead in detail. That's sort of that's why it was such a a shocker when mm -hmm. he said they're going to kill me in three days. I'll be raised from the dead. And like Peter was sitting there saying, "Do what? You're yeah. going to do what?" He it, it was. That's why I think he had to take his time with what the kingdom is like. And that what's it going to be like and the behavior? Well, you figured they would have got it. I mean, Abraham got it, and he didn't even hear yeah, the prediction. Yeah, but the, the, but the thing is, is that they these guys have been waiting on this physical, earthly, political. That's I said right. probably a better word, but political kingdom. And Jesus shows up, and he's it's like he said, "Let me tell you what the kingdom's like. It's like uh, it's it's like this mustard seed. Wait, wait what? Like it's that small and insignificant? Yeah, it's it looks very insignificant. But what that's going to grow into oh. is going to be the base where things are going to sit. Earth which, shattering. That's what I'm saying. Earth, it may be yeah. one conversation with your son or daughter of your house. One conversation. So small of a thing you didn't really realize it. I mean, that's why I keep bringing up this event because it's, you know, I'm raw. The emotions are raw after we just went through that. But I told somebody, because the parents, we have our session, we have our time together, because we're just, we're, we're, it's a real tough lot in life. I said, but to these kids who are experiencing this, they'll remember this the rest of their life. This will be a highlight. When the resurrection of the dead is introduced, Matthew, slow go until, until you get to a certain point. Then he begins to talk about the resurrection. Once the resurrection of the dead is introduced, then people are saying, so wait a minute, what you're telling me is if I put my faith in this person, Jesus Christ, immortality is riding on it, eternity is riding on it, you say, you, you are wising up. It's a hard sale. 
but according to Jesus, according to Jesus, it's not it's not just immortality. It's it's immortality and life with him. Yeah, that, that he like he's the prize. I mean, you could be raised to the dead. If he if he's not involved in it, then it doesn't matter anyways. The reason why it matters is because you're being raised from the dead to live with him. It's it's that union. But when you think about like this kingdom, when you guys are describing the kingdom here, I was thinking about Jason, particularly that verse you were reading. Um, if if you're doing the work of the kingdom and there's a harvest, it, like, the enemy is coming to put the weeds in the garden. Yeah. That, I mean, that's going to happen. And I was thinking about, you know, what's a good litmus test for us to identify when the enemy comes and put, how do we know if it's a weed or if it's actual wheat, particularly in those infancy stages of the growth, I think it's I think it's what Phil keeps hitting back on the the, the it's it's the centrality of Jesus and what he did and what you know, what he's what what he's going to do here, but what he did. Well, I think that's the thing. If I'm going around talking about what everybody else is doing, if I'm going around you know, talking about uh, you know people or in other churches or what that that's not like like the kingdom is focused on the king. First yeah. and foremost, I agree, and I do. Then I think those those eight attitudes or spiritual principles that he started off are present. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit. Where yep. where he got started, I it's, mean, it's, it's, it's their a, fruit. Well, it's, it's, it's a focus their... on Jesus, and it's an attitude of hungering and thirsting for righteousness. I mean, I mean, what a you can't underestimate that when you when you have somebody in your group. Uh, hold hold it, that thought. Let's 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 take one last break, Jace. When you have somebody in your group, you just think they get up every morning and they're hungering and thirsting, like you're starving, hadn't eaten five days. When you have that attitude for doing what's right, I guarantee you they're going to be an asset on your team. That is correct. <laughs> I just noticed it with having all these volunteers at this event. I mean, these people said, I'm going to give up my whole weekend to try to bring some joy to, you know, to some kids. I mean, it's just a special kind of person. And, and my point is, yes, they were, they just happened to be focused on Jesus, but they also, you could tell they were wheat. They weren't weeds. Just in their demeanor and their attitude, they're giving up their time. They're, I mean, I I, I just think they were they were filled. Yeah, that, that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I mean, that that, that promise is pretty incredible. Yeah, I think about that when he says going back to the kingdom. What does he say? He says, speaking of righteousness, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and if you do that. Then what? Then all these things will be added unto you. So, so many times we're focusing on the things that we want to be added unto us. And I think the whole point of Jesus's whole Sermon on the Mount and all these parables, he's basically just saying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all that's going to be cut. That, that'll be added. All that'll be added unto you. You're trying to make that happen when you just need to focus on like me. You know, seek me, seek the kingdom, seek righteousness. You'll be filled. You'll be filled up. Yeah. You won't thirst anymore. Well, then he got to the treasure hunting verse, one of the many that inspired me to get a metal detector and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> start treasure hunting because I'm like, why is the savior of the world, the creator of the universe, keep bringing this up? But I love it because I think it goes into your point uh, when you said, Zach, about it's one thing to experience the resurrection and the next level is to be resurrected for what? To actually be with Jesus and and the Father, you know, mm-hmm. through the Spirit for eternity. I mean, that that's like, okay, yeah, I, it's cool to come back from the dead. I mean, I would like to do that, but for what? For what For what reason? So you got Matthew 17, which we'll be in in two or three weeks. Uh, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They'll kill him. And on the third day, he will be raised for, to life. You'd think, well, let's see. I wonder what their reaction is going to be. Now watch this, Jace. And the disciples were filled with grief. The greatest thing that God could ever do is announced. Yeah. I will raise you from the, I'm going to be raised from the dead. They're going to kill me. They're like, oh, no. 
well, right. the greatest thing that's fixing to happen in the history of mankind and the disciples are singing the blues uh, because they just don't quite. Well, they because, hadn't put it together. It's a hard sell. Because you don't realize. Then and now. You're right, Phil. And you don't realize what you have until you lose it. <laughs> yeah. When you're standing with your Savior, who you put your faith and trust in, the resurrection doesn't mean anything until he dies. <laughs> well, then, then you're like, well, wait a minute. Oh, he can come back? And for yeah. what? And I can be with him again? First, it was you. Forever? Gonna do, you're going to do what? And, yeah. And he's trying to explain them, and they're all sad. Peter's saying, no way. Well, we we do the same thing. I mean, uh, tell me you know? about it. Well, it, it, to your point earlier, JC, I love the way you phrase that. For what? It's it, what, what are we raised for? It, we, we spend a lot of time focused on what we're saved from. We yeah. don't spend near enough time about talking about what we're saved to. You are correct. Oh, that's, and what we're raised point. to do. I, you are correct. So I want to read this for because I, you know, this is. We got a group of people who are into finding earth's lost treasures in a physical way, and God makes this a spiritual thing. He says in 44 of 13, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which which really excites me. Mm-hmm. Just the possibility of it really excites <laughs> me. When a man found it, now this is weird. Because usually when you find it, you holler and you take pictures and you do videos and you say, yeah, well, this old boy, look what he did. He hid it again, looked around in every direction, make sure nobody was looking. Then in his joy, he went, had a little family meeting, gathered up everything, sold it, and then bought that field. Because I think he realized there's more there's more there's more let's live here yeah but then so to do what is the next one so he says again the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls when he found one of great value he went away and sold everything he had and bought it so i think when you combine them you combine the idea of finding the greatest treasure that there is selling everything you have and and buying the true treasure and experiencing it i mean it's a it's a crazy radical powerful couple verses but it really describes this pursuit of jesus and what happens when we come to our senses and say you know what this is this this is it this is it yep yeah that's good. Well, I think we're out of time here. So until next time, uh, what does Al say? We'll, we'll try to do better. Yep. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.